Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable, circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hello again, and welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast. I'm Ken Alston, and today I'm in conversation with Shika Rathi. Hello, Shika, how are you? Hi, Ken, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thank you. Now, we, uh, we met virtually a few weeks ago when I gave a webinar for um, the Ecosystem inter- inter- um, Incubator with, uh, with Wonder. And uh, what, what, did you, uh, what did you think of the, of the chat and what, what did you take away from it? I think it was a um, quiet, uh, the information that you gave uh, via the podcast, uh, sorry, via the um, incubator that we had, that you presented, you presented in quite detail. And I think, um, like I had read about the term uh, circular system and circular economy, and we talk a lot about it, but um, I think I really like especially the parts where you asked each one of us to question that we really need to dig deeper and ask the deeper questions um, of the why and the hows and um, how to go ahead. And I think that really got me thinking and I think I want to go that next step. Um, So I think, uh, yeah, like I think especially that part really got me. Yeah, that's, you know, I've had time during this two years of COVID to think more than, you know, we're normally also busy doing our work and running our lives and all the things that it takes. And we don't often get time or we don't often make time to just think. And I, I think that one of the things that's missing is thinking time. And so I, this, is, this is one of the things I'm urging people to do now is to take a little time, even if it means getting up a few minutes earlier in the morning and just saying, I'm going to have 15 minutes of reflection where I just, I think, and, um, you know, the way I, the way I do it, I, I write and I, I write a journal every morning. It's the first thing I do. And um, before I open email or do anything else, that's going to just make busy work for me for the rest of the day. And I write whatever comes into my head and it's a private journal. It's not meant to be for publication. It's just for me to think. And by writing, I, I say writing is the active part of thinking. When you write, you're getting your thoughts down on paper. And so it's a way to sort of channel your thoughts and memorialize it. So that's, that's how I do it. That's how I do. That's how I try to do some, some thinking every day. I feel I have to program it. Now, you, you wrote to me after, after, the, uh, after the webinar and <clears throat> introduced yourself on LinkedIn. And... Um, you mentioned that you're you have a project at the Reup Studio. Tell us a little bit yeah. about what that is, where you are, what that is, and um, what you're trying to achieve. So um, the Reup Studio basically, um, it's been a year since I have started. Uh, what we do is we collect uh, fabric waste from factories and we make new garments and new accessories out of them. Uh, basically we upcycle uh, waste but I think the whole uh, mentality behind it or the whole idea behind it is we as a society have gotten so used to the use and through culture and that's how we treat 
um, the things that we use. That's how we treat the people around us. That we're so used to using and throwing it away rather than working on it or rather than um, um, just, just letting the healing process come through and um, allowing something new to come out of it. So I think I just want to challenge the way we look at things so rather than if 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 there is some um, discarded thing or is or like a, a hopeless situation, when we look at it, we shouldn't um, think that we want to give up or we don't we shouldn't um, want to throw it away, but rather think out of the box and um, and like uh, have a place for innovation or something new over there, and something new can definitely come out. And like even though that thing looks like. Um, it's hopeless. Let's just throw it away. Uh, no, there is something new that can come out of it. Like we do talk about upcycling. We do talk about sustainability. We do talk about recycling. But I think the bigger idea behind recycling and upcycling is a mentality. And I think once we get that mentality right, people will just end up upcycling and recycling. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that mindset is comes first. And um that's why I do the web, the webinars and the podcasts, because you, first of all, you have to change attitudes. Right? You have to get that sensibility that you were just expressing to not see things as waste. I, um, I remember when I worked in, in a multinational corporation, the owner of the company once said, I hate waste because it's something that I bought that I didn't sell. So he realized that inside his company, he spent money to buy materials, to make something, to sell something. Obviously, he was selling it at a higher price to make a profit. And because he had something left over that was called waste, that was something that he'd spent money on, but he couldn't get any return on. And so, again, it was another, another way of looking at this idea of waste and putting a value on it in a different yeah. sense than just, oh, I don't, you know, shrugging his shoulders. And like you said, just saying, oh, I don't know what to do about it. Uh, well, you're not, you've not thought long enough and hard enough yet, right? So it's back to thinking again. You said out of the box. How do you think about the situation that confronts you and come at it from a different angle? So what, whereabouts are you doing this? Sorry? Whereabouts are you doing this? Which, is it in one city, multiple cities? Uh, no, so I had I've started up. Uh, I started up last year, so right now we are very small. Uh, but I am based in Pune, which Maharashtra. That's in India, mm -hmm. and uh, I have a studio space where I've been working, and like I have like via Instagram and Facebook, and soon I have a website coming up. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to branch out soon. Good, good. Well, you know, I think one of the things that always strikes me is we didn't get to where we are today in one design iteration, right? We've been doing this yeah. for a few hundred years now since the Industrial Revolution, making things in a more mechanized and you know, powered by machinery sort of a way. And, um, and it's not just, one, not just one company or one product, it's many millions. And so the fact that you're a, a startup um, is great. It doesn't matter whether you're big, small or medium sized, you're trying to do something beneficial in a different way. And if enough of those are added together, then it makes a big effect. So, you know, small can be beautiful too. So that, that's fine. And what materials are you collecting right now? Uh, so I'm collecting fabric um, as of now, like uh, cotton and um, 
polyester, poly wool from um, the factories that do make garments. So when um, when they make garments, they cut the garment pieces to get the to get the pattern ready. So right. whatever the leftover pieces, uh, they cannot be mass manufactured. So that ends up becoming waste, which I collect and then I make things out of it. So what's your process? Do you do you do you reprocess what you you've collected from the factories? Uh, reprocess in the sense I would probably um, wash and clean it, right. and uh, like some some cloth clothing items do require me to destarch it. So probably that or some a little bit of dyeing, but apart from that, um, not really. I don't reprocess it that much. Mm -hmm. um, there are a few minor, um, like some pieces might be torn or some pieces have few markings. So I think the challenge is how can I um, implement that in the design itself or how can I try to work with that rather than like throwing that away again. Right. I noticed, I know one of the things you wrote to me, you, you talked about going from broken to beautiful. I thought that was, oh. a, that was a lovely sentiment. Say a little bit more about that idea. Um, I think the whole idea uh, that I, when I wanted to do this, the whole idea came to me when I was in a very broken place in life, but through the help of my friends and family and my faith, I think I was able to come out of it. And I know when we are in that situation, that situation seems very home, hopeless and very, like, like I said, it looks very broken, but there is still hope and something new and something fresh can come out of it and something beautiful can come out of it. So similarly, when I look at something that is discarded or something something that is thrown away or something that is broken, like in that moment, we might think that there's no use, there's no hope, but there is something much more that, that can come out of that situation and uh, out of that object or out of that thing. And um, it can give that object a new life. I think that's a really important word is hope. Um, one of the things that I've, I've been recording some new videos lately, and um, one of them is it builds a little bit on what I talked about in the webinar that you, you saw. And I do a, a transformation of the idea of sustainability. Because one of the biggest problems that I mentioned in the webinar is that we've been trying to become more sustainable for more than 35 years now, and we're less sustainable than when we started. So clearly there's something we're missing, there's something we're not doing right. And if you're not careful, that can become depressing, right? And it can, it can feel like the system's broken and I can't do anything with it. So just like you were saying yourself. And when you go through and you, you, you ask the question, why, multiple times, and keep asking it and keep asking. It. And this is the deeper thinking we were talking about. Well, why are we still unsustainable? Why, despite the fact that we've been trying a lot of things, why is it that even with the United Nations having sustainable development goals and all sorts of different areas, why, are we, why is it getting worse? And you've got to keep asking why and why and why again until you come up with a better answer. And I've gone through a sort of a transformation sequence that ends up with one of the one of the pieces of the puzzle comes out and it's called hope. We have new hope. 
as a result of going through this transformation of asking why, you come up with a different problem. The problem isn't sustainability. The problem is the linear economy that's driving all of these negative impacts that we're calling unsustainable. So sustainable is just a word, a descriptive word for a lot of things all added together. And so when you, when you change the problem to now being, how do I design something that can operate in a sustainable circular economy, and, and mimic nature and nature's natural circularity, then you start having an opportunity for new hope. And then you have new standards that have to be set because the old standards are no longer good enough. And then with that comes new behavior and new expectations. And so you know, you're living that out in, in your work by not only bringing the new hope, and you're setting a new standard and saying, well, it's not a good enough standard to have this waste in the factory that's left over from the mass production. There's a better way to deal with that. And you're essentially eliminating the whole concept of waste. And so this, this idea that you know, we're bringing new hope, setting new standards, and that requires new behaviors uh, is, is a really important uh, outcome. Because it's, it's out of that hope that you then have the energy, right? And the motivation to actually do something. If you think the situation is hopeless, then what do you do, right? Definitely. I think, uh, like, like you said, I think hope is a very, um, it, it is immensely powerful. And um, hope can really change things. And I, I do strongly believe that. And um, I think even for myself and for Reup Studio, I think the three words that I um, that I really hold closely to is uh, one is hope, one is second chances, and the other is new beginnings. And um, I, I so completely agree. I think uh, we've just just gotten so used to the term sustainability, and I feel like since nowadays sustainability sells everyone wants to use the term sustainability rather than understanding what it actually means. And um, I think, like, I think um, when I think about REAP being sustainable and it being environmental friendly, friendly I, think, I think that's great. But then I think more than anything, I want REAP to be a place where people draw hope from and they see that REAP being a, 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 a space where where there is hope, where there are new beginnings happening. And even if it's not in people, but it is through objects, but they, those objects and those things can be examples for people that they can take back in their lives. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's okay to have this simple view of sustainability as a way of starting, but it's not, it only, it only takes you so far on the journey. Right, it's it, 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 you said uh, new beginnings. It is, it's a beginning. Just to have the idea, the consciousness that you want to do something that is more sustainable than what was before, and that, that is a new level of consciousness. It, um, it's simple in, in, in concept and a lot harder to do in practice, right? The, the actual doing of it in the studio is a lot harder than just saying it, right? Yeah because you're, you're working in a complex world. Um, you've got to have conversations with the factories. You've got to convince them that 
you're not just some crazy person who showed up and you know why why do you want what I'm throwing away right it doesn't doesn't seem sensible at first sight so that, tell me about that conversation the first conversation you had with the manufacturer how did how did that go I think um like like I said like more and more people are becoming aware about sustainability so I think they got excited by the idea and um I think it was a good good way for them to even get rid of their waste and to see something good come out of that. And um, I think the conversations went really well. They were really excited to see where I would go. And I think they have also encouraged me that like we have a lot of waste. I think you should um, expand and grow more um, and take all. <laughs> yeah, so they were very supportive then. They were very supportive and open. Yeah, they were. Did you expect that or did you expect to have to convince them more? Um, I, I think, like I didn't, I definitely didn't expect them to be supportive. But at the same time, I, I also didn't expect, uh, like I didn't feel that they would sort of disagree with what I'm doing. Because in a way, uh, it's good for them that I'm taking away their waste. And um, by associating with the fact that uh, they can recycle their waste. It's it's good for their uh, brand image. Right. So I think I really felt like um, they wouldn't disagree, but to see them be more supportive and encouraging, I think I think that was something interesting. Now, without giving away your your trade secrets and your your financials, um, do they do they donate the waste material to you, or do you have to buy it from them? I have to buy it from them. Okay. That's good. Yeah, it's okay. It's um, it's you know sometimes you might have some some circumstances where something may have literally no value and um, and they'd rather you take it for nothing, um, yeah. but that's not often the case. So, <laughs> but right. hopefully, hopefully you got a good price from them, right? <laughs> yes, definitely. I did. I did. And so, when you have these pieces that you you've washed and cleaned. How do you, do you have to literally, every time you make a garment, do you have to reimagine it because you, you're using different sizes and shapes of, of, of offcuts? Yes, uh, so since um, each piece that I get, uh, so in, in India here, uh, they call these waste pieces as chindi. So each uh, chindi piece that we get, uh, it is different and um, there is no uniformity and I think uh, for each piece, like even if I'm making a small size of a garment, not necessarily like, like the medium size that I make, it's going to be the same as the small. So there are variations. I do try to keep it as similar as possible. But like you said, like I do have to um, reimagine how the patches will go and um, how what will fit together. And there is very limited material and very limited stock. And there is a lot of designing involved since um, the availability of the pieces. But I think that's also the beauty of it, that there is one unique product um, in each size and each different form. And I think that gives um, each customer that personal touch that, you know, your piece is not just one in a million, but it, I mean, your piece is one in a million and it has been personally designed. So I think, yeah, like it does increase the time, but then I think it's beautiful. 
So, so in a sense, you've got in your mind, you've got an idea of a design or a look that you, you may be wanting to have that similar look in the second and the third and the fourth garment. But practically yeah. speaking, you have to achieve that look with a completely different mix of pieces and, and shapes. Is that right? Right. Right. So there's there's a lot of creativity then that comes from from you, right? From you personally, to to imagine how those offcuts are going to be reassembled into something that looks like the the garment you made before or, or very similar to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and I think uh, so. I've studied as a, um, like I've graduated as an industrial designer, and in industrial design, like I mostly I was more inclined towards textiles. So I think that did give me a stronger base. And um, I do enjoy, I do enjoy, like I do see it as a challenge. And I, I do enjoy that the fact that each piece is different and it's fun to see what comes out of each piece. And uh, definitely I have like the tailors that I have, they are very supportive and very helpful and very patient um, with joining of each piece because uh, not everyone wants to invest that much time. But they have right. been very supportive, very grateful. So you're for using them. so you're using local artisans who are skilled in, in in sewing and and the needlework, right? Yes, yes. So that see, this is the other piece that I think a lot of people miss is that, and I I'm I'm also guilty of it because I talk a lot about materials, because when we're dealing with the waste, we're talking about the waste material, okay. and it's it's the stopping of the wastefulness that we want to to achieve. And so we keep we talk about materials, materials, materials all the time because that's the stuff that's being wasted, right? Right. But along the way, there are people involved, and so this is why the three E's uh, or the three P's of sustainability—you know, people, planet, profit, or economy, equity, and and, um, and environment—there's always that equity or people piece as well. And it's right. in the area of sustainability. It's one that I think always gets the least amount of attention. And yet here you are, we're having a conversation about circularity and about sustainability, but there's a really important social people-related piece to this, that you're providing new, new work for skilled artisans. Um, and as you say, maybe some of them don't want to work you know, with yeah. the extra degree of difficulty that your, your designs have, now, but some do. Yeah. So that's, a, that's another benefit within the sustainability umbrella um, that you're providing new employment. Yes, I think, yes, like I think more than anything, um, people hold a lot of importance because, I mean, we can have great ideas, but we also need people with the same vision to be able to execute them. And, um, like it's only if we all work together, then we can achieve what we want to achieve. Without people, this is this is going to be impossible. I mean, we can have as much technology as we want, but the whole creativity and innovation, it can only come from people. And um, definitely, like the artisans working with me, they have been so up, like they have been so uh, ready for the challenge, and um, they have been so supportive. There are times when I have felt low when I have felt like I can't do this but knowing that like like at the, I don't know at those right moments I've just ended up having conversations with them and there's just that healing that comes from that conversation and them telling me okay we have your back you don't worry we've, we've yeah. got 
yeah, what did we do togetherness. it? Togetherness. Togetherness. You're doing it together. Yeah. You're not. You're yeah. not just a one warrior princess on your own, right? You're. You're. You're there with yeah. your, your team. Yeah, that's good. What? What? What do you see from your perspective as you do what you do and as you're trying to grow your operation? What do you see that's missing? If you could, if I could give you a magic wand from Harry Potter, what what would you do with it? What would you What would you wish for? That's 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 probably your toughest challenge right now, or that would make a biggest difference in making a success of what you're doing. I think um, I'm I'm not aware um, how probably people react outside, but I think in India people are very cost conscious, and uh, I think one one thing that I'm I am struggling with is um, making the pieces cost effective for people in India. Since uh, since each garment is specially designed and each garment and it's not mass manufactured, so the the making time increases and um, the production time increases, and um, that increases the price overall. And I think that is one probably like probably it, I think sustainability or sustainable garments have been a hindrance to people who cannot um, afford a certain amount and I feel uh, the prices go high so it ends up not becoming for the mass so I honestly don't know how to resolve that and um, like I, I do feel that if it were up, up to me I think uh, I would really like if everyone like probably everyone who's working with garments gets involved in this whole process because at the end of the day I can take my small steps I, and those small steps will grow eventually. But I think everyone, when they take those small steps, that is when we'll be able to resolve the problem that we have. So well, you're talking about bespoke tailoring, basically, aren't you? It's, a, it's an individually tailored garment in, in a sense. Um, and that level of bespoke tailoring and, yeah. and personal involvement is clearly going to take more time. So where are you marketing now? How are you finding outlets for your for your products? Um, it's mostly online, and uh, there are exhibitions that happen. Um, so, so I and like I take part in those exhibitions. Um, I think I I still need to expand my reach. Um, I haven't got there. Like I I think it's like my brand still needs to grow. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think just that. This, this kind of work and this detail-oriented work um, does deserve the right value that it should get. And um, yeah, I'm just hoping like I find the right kind of people who do recognize that value. Well, I think, you know, the, the, what happen, often happens with, with startups is that you haven't yet reached the scale factor that allows you to um, amortize some of these costs of operation that you have in a way that can bring the overall cost down because it, everything is so so unique and one-off. Um, but I think you'll find that that will that will improve as you as you go out go on and grow. Um, what I'll do, I'll make sure at the end of the podcast that we include a link to your Instagram or and your your website that's information, so that people know where to to take a look at what you're doing. Um, <clears throat> Tell us a little bit about the, the garments that you have made. What 
what what are they? Are they are they dresses? Are they sweaters? What 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 area have you been designing into? So I started designing with uh, women's wear um, dresses and um, dresses and few tops, but now I'm getting more into jackets, and so I do have like recent jackets and blazers. And I also have menswear that is upcoming, like that's soon going to be launched very soon. Um, so men's menswear shorts and jackets. But uh, yeah, I am mostly looking into jackets because I think um, ja- like people are ready to explore and try different, um, you know, different patchwork jackets. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I think even soon I'll be launching my uh, new line of accessories uh, bags. So that is also upcoming. Excellent. Well, there's another there's another um, young woman who is who is in Brazil. Um, you, if you haven't already taken a look, look at uh, from Bello, F R O M B E L L O from Bello. Um, it's um, someone else that I've been in contact with and done a done a podcast with, and uh, Maria. She she's doing a similar thing, which is taking. Uh, used materials and from from uh, around her city in Brazil, in Belo Horizonte, and um, making making uh, accessories uh, using local artisans. So again, a very a very similar uh, approach to to what you're doing. And I think this the, the other thing that intrigues me about what you're doing and what what Marie is doing is that it's inherently local. In the end, I, I always say, and, and everybody said this for a long time, but it's again, it's been words and not so much action. Uh, all sustainability is local, right? In the end, okay. the waste that's coming from the factories in, in in your city is in your city. It's there. It's local, right? And so, the solution to what happens next to that waste, the sensible place to do that is somewhere local. So that's where you come in. You're 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 doing the sustainability locally. Um, right now, you know, maybe over time you may move, move and have our operations in other city, but it will still be essentially a local operation in that city. Right. And so I think I think there's a, there's an important piece of this, which is um, one of the, the missing pieces in sustainability is what happens at the end of the use cycle of the first product use. Right. So the the, the manufacturers you're going to to get your waste materials, they're making something that's going on and being sold in their, in their commerce chain. And there's no return loop for any of the materials that they're making. And there's right. no return loop for the waste that they're generating. So you're taking, at least you're taking the waste piece and you're finding another use for it locally. Um, but we still have the problem of what happens to their garment when it's finished being used, right? We don't have a solution yet for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe over time there is another place where you could get your waste material, which is when someone else has taken that same material that they they bought from the, the manufacturer that you're getting your waste from um, mm-hmm. and getting their product back. So what if you could get back the product that those makers sold as well as their waste? Because then you'd have the yeah. same material. That I think that is another um, um, another bit that I do want to get into. Um, there are it's a lot harder, of things. It's harder, to, 
it's harder to <laughs> re-aggregate. It's harder to re-aggregate all of those yeah. pieces that have gone out into the marketplace to anywhere and everywhere, and you you have no idea where they are. So that's that's where some other technologies probably come in place to find a way of getting them back to a central place where you can make use of it. So what, what else would you like to ask me? Are there any other thoughts you have in your mind that, that you'd like to talk about for a few minutes before we, we end the podcast? I think I would like to know um, how I can probably position my brand better. And if there are a few things that I am missing out and few factors that I haven't considered. And like you said, like to dig deeper. So a few places I haven't probably questioned myself I think I would like to um, I would like to go there and like probably reason and question and um, ask those right questions I think what, what strikes me uh, just listening to you today is that you, you need to tell your story you need mm -hmm. as well as selling the garments you need the backstory of you and your formation of, of the you know, your, your company. Um, in a way, you right now, you've got a, a personality-based brand. It's based around you. It's, it's your sensibility it's your, of, of design. It's your sensibility of wanting to do something that's more sustainable. And so the fact that it's, um, you know, a, a garment from the re-up studio, you need a re-up studio. It's re-up studio by Shika. Yeah. Right, so don't take yourself out of the out of the story. Put yourself in the story, front and center. I would say, um, and I think that's because people gravitate to to you as well as to what you're doing. Um, yeah. So I think I think you have the right frame of mind. I think you're going about things the right way. Um, but people need to, to get to know you. And then that's yeah. how they'll come to trust you and then trust you enough to, to buy something from you. And I think it's, I think that's, that, that it's like no like and trust that comes before the sale. Yeah. And so how you tell your story um, is probably going to be an important part of that. And it may be, maybe little small two or three minute videos on, on different aspects. Uh, you know, you don't have to sit for an hour and tell your story, but, yeah. you know, a little two minute video about just how you, you know, how you came from a place where you didn't have hope. And out of this, whatever, you know, the, the, the process was, um, this idea germinated. And mm. this new hope has led to, like you said, new beginnings. You know, just, just use some of that language that's very, that's very natural to you that just comes out when we're talking, you know, the new beginnings, broken to beautiful, all of these little little phrases yeah. um, have meaning. And so I, that's what I would say. I would find different ways to tell your story. You can do it through your Instagram with pictorially, um, but you can do some posts on on. On LinkedIn, you know, when you have your new launch of your your new menswear or the new bags, just post a picture and say, you know, this is the next installment of my 
my new beginning. It's now a new beginning for menswear. It's now a new yeah. beginning for for bags. Um, yeah. So use use the same language um, and apply it. You know, as you do do your launches and, and outreach, and um, that would be that would be my first thought. Well, good. I'm, I'm, as I mentioned in the, um, as I mentioned in the webinar, I'm <clears throat> putting a lot of attention now to uh, digitalization, uh, you know, online tools, and um, you know, let's let's keep in touch because I think there may be a role for for you to help me in reaching out to people like the the manufacturers that you're getting your waste from. And imagine if instead of you having to make a journey to find each manufacturer to get the material you're looking for, imagine if there was an online platform where you could go yeah. and you could say, you know, hi, I'm Shika from Reup Studio. Um, I'm really looking for, um, you know, 500 kilos of, uh, of waste offcuts of polycotton or I don't know, whatever it is you're looking for. And you, yeah. you, put, you put your one out into the universe, right? And you say, hey, I'm looking for this. Does anybody know? Now, maybe there's nobody in your city that has that. But maybe there's yeah. somebody in the next city. Or it may be in, I don't know, or it may be in another country. Um, <clears throat> but along the way, we begin to make connections. And we forge a yeah. network of people who want things and who have things. And you know, maybe, maybe like the, right now you're having to buy your, your material from that manufacturer. There may be a time in the future where you make a barter with somebody or, you, you right. know, some trade where it, it doesn't cost you in money, but you have something they want, you, you have something they want and vice versa. And, um, you know, you can facilitate these connections. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do with the with the digitalization tools and the platforms that I'm introducing. Which taking the idea behind what you're doing as a, an individual person, going to a manufacturer and finding something, and trying to make that available across a whole city, and not just for textiles, but for anything and everything. Yeah. And um, that's how I hope that we'll we'll get to solve the some of the those deeper thinking questions. <clears throat> the complexity of the real world it's uh, it's not easy to find all of these things and how do you know what's in the other side of the city there might be yeah. 10 more manufacturers that are even better than the one that you're using right now but you just don't know they're there right so this is why i want these tools to become available over time in different cities so that you know, the manufacturer you're going to now, he can put in his system, hey, I've got this, I've got that, I've got whatever that, he, that I can't use anymore. You can have it for $50 or whatever it is. Um, and so hopefully over time, that's another thing that will be easier. So it'll be another way that will reduce the cost for you of finding materials, which again, gets your price point down and back to the making it a more mass, mass market. So all of these things additively, hopefully, will come together to, to make, make all the economics work, as well as the, yeah. the equity work and the environmental peace work. Yeah, I think, I think that's a very, um, like you said, the, the whole networking and connection, I think just having it together in one place 
that will be so helpful and i i do think that is one um one of the biggest problem that many people um who are trying to work with uh sustainable materials like they do struggle with that is to get their raw material yeah and if you like if you would bridge that gap that would be um that'll be very helpful and that'll help the whole cycle and system well that's the idea let's hope we can make it work and i think yes. you know for your manufacturer now now they are hopefully seeing that instead of it costing them money to have their waste taken away they're actually making money by selling it to you wow right. so they're saving money and making money both at the same time from something that they thought had no value in fact it had a cost imagine if we could replicate that millions and millions of times in other products in other places uh, that would make a big a big contribution definitely well so thank you very much for what you're doing i've appreciated your time and your and your your um, the work you're doing and if i can help in any way then don't don't hesitate to to let me know thank you so much again um, it was so great talking to you and uh, oh. thank you so much for your feedback no, uh, i really appreciate it very good you've been listening to the circularity edge podcast be sure to subscribe on itunes or google play to get new fresh weekly episodes for more please follow us on instagram twitter and facebook or visit our website at www.circularityedge.com until next time bye circular